I tell you, I don't care how many dreams you hear, I don't care how many anguished cries, death is a million times preferable to ten more days of this life. If you knew what was ahead of you, if you knew what was ahead of you, you'd be glad to be stepping over tonight. Are you f***ing kidding me? You better not take me anywhere, I don't want to go. I want to go into the city. Death, death, death is common to people. Four cold cases in the valley may be getting another look. In the span of a few short years, multiple prostitutes vanished. Some of their body parts were later found on the side of highways. A man who lived in the valley became connected to those murders, but the cases were never closed. Tonight, we track down a former co-worker who shares new insight into the man and his possible connection to the slayings. Four females who are working as prostitutes here in the Las Vegas Valley went missing. It is something that's unique, especially for that amount of people to go missing, the similarities in, in which the, the descriptions of the females, the time frame, uh, the way that their bodies were located, all of those things are very uh, unique, which does lead us to believe that they could be connected. In a few short years, Metro Police says an alarmingly high number of sex workers disappeared. 19-year-old Jody Brewer vanished from Las Vegas in August 2003. Her torso was found wrapped in a plastic sheet along a highway in California. Parts of 25-year-old Misty Sains were found in plastic near Blue Diamond in Las Vegas. 21-year-old Lindsay Harris was last seen in Henderson in 2005. Her legs were found along a highway in Illinois. A fourth, 21-year-old Jesse Foster went missing from North Las Vegas but was never found. I do not think she's dead. Foster's mother, Glendine Grant, still believes her daughter is alive and says until she's proven otherwise, she'll hang on to that hope. Grant says she thinks her daughter called her the night she vanished. And all I heard was what sounded like muffled screams where someone's hand was covering a mouth. I was sheer panic. Grant believes a lot of these cases remain unsolved because they involve sex workers. All of the women were about five foot five, same weight, blondish hair. The similarities didn't stop there. All of the missing that were found were located dismembered along the sides of highways. Welcome to the first episode of Deadly Decisions. Paul Isaacs. My wife Christina and I just want to say how happy we are that we finally got this put into motion. I myself have been working seven days a week for a while now and let me tell you, I'm exhausted. So I apologize for having such a wide gap between the trailer's launch date and the episode 1's launch date. Now that we have everything on track, this process should go really smooth and we will have a steady podcast schedule and we will keep you updated. I would like to thank Brianna and Kelly from the Murder Dictionary podcast for my awesome merch and for giving me a shout out on one of their earlier episodes. It is an incredibly well-researched podcast, and if for some reason you haven't heard of them, go check them out. You won't be disappointed.
So, without further ado, let's launch the first episode of Deadly Decisions with the case of Neil Falls. July 18th, 2015. Neil Falls, 45 years old, answers an ad for an escort named Heather Saul on a website called Backpage.com, posted for sexual interactions. He makes his way to her apartment in Charleston, West Virginia. He immediately exits his SUV upon arrival and approaches her door, subsequently giving it a knock and waiting for her to answer. As she opens the door, Neil brandishes a gun and forces his way inside. He tells her, quote, I'm going to prison for a long time and it's your choice whether it's for rape or murder. He then grabs her throat, almost completely cutting off her air supply. He then says, quote, I'm going to call the orders and you're going to be quiet. With Heather gasping for air, a scuffle breaks loose. In an effort to fight back, she grabs a rake that was near her. Neil then cleverly puts his gun down to free the rake from her grasp. Heather, in turn, grabs the gun and fires one shot into Neil's head, killing him instantly. This may seem like a one-off crime from the surface of things. A Florida-like incident that happens once, and that's it. But no, there's more to Neil Falls' story. From the looks of things, it looks like he's been up to this for a while. Let's see what happens next in Heather Saul's story. Heather then ran to her neighbor's home screaming. Once she was let in, her neighbor gave her the phone so she could make a report to police. After the police arrive, they have a look inside Falls' Subaru Forester parked outside Heather's apartment. They were appalled to witness the contents hidden inside. Clearly, they weren't expecting to find what they found. Inside the vehicle, they found a machete, an axe, knives, a sledgehammer, plastic trash bags, bleach, bulletproof vests, and a clean pair of clothes. It looks like the makings of a kill kit. Along with it, they discovered in one of his pockets that contained a small yellow post-it note that listed six other women with their ages and phone numbers, presumably sex workers. Some of the women listed, police soon found out, were as far away as San Diego, California, giving police pause. They based on the immediate information, were forming the thought that this man could be a potential serial killer. Heather Saul's story was as miraculous as it was groundbreaking. The investigators that handled her case were working on the notion that this man truly was a multiple offender. In fact, if Heather hadn't stopped him dead in his tracks, as it were, he could have very well gone on to finish his list of victims and then potentially add more later. She saved not only her life that day, 
She saved countless others. She is a hero in my book. Since this case involves a potential serial killer instead of a full-blown serial killer like Jeffrey Dahmer, there isn't a lot of information to go on. Speculation isn't really something that will fly in court, but to a seasoned investigator, it's a driving force to find out as much as possible about this man. So far, they can speculate that he could be linked to missing persons cases spanning at least 20 states. The only known photograph that exists of Neil Falls is his eerie driver's license photo. According to Metro Police in the Las Vegas area, a high number of sex workers have gone missing. The department's Michael Rodriguez said, quote, Four females working here in Las Vegas Valley went missing. It is something that is unique, especially the number to go missing, the similarities, the description of the females, the time frame, the way their bodies were located throughout the country. All of those things are very unique, which leads us to believe they are all connected. Unquote. Nineteen-year-old Jody Brewer vanished from the Las Vegas area in August 2003. Her torso was found wrapped in plastic along a California highway. Twenty-five-year-old Misty Sains also disappeared in 2003, and parts of her body were found wrapped in plastic near Blue Diamond Road in Las Vegas. Shortly after, 21-year-old Lindsay Harris disappeared from Henderson. Her legs were found in Springfield, Illinois. The fourth victim to vanish from the Las Vegas area was 21-year-old Jesse Foster, and she was never found. Jesse Foster's mother, Glendon Grant, is, of course, holding on to the hope that her daughter is, in fact, still alive. She thinks that her daughter called her the very night that she disappeared. Quote, All I heard was muffled screams like someone's hand was covering a mouth. I was sheer panicked, unquote. She believes the fact that the cases for these women went cold because of the simple fact that they were sex workers. There are similarities between these women. Each of them were about five foot, five inches tall. Each woman weighed about the same and they had blondish hair. Oddly enough, three of the victims had the same middle name, Marie. Along with these similarities, three of the girls were found near highways. After Neil Falls was shot by Heather Saul, one of the first investigators on the scene spoke to Saul about what happened that night. His name is Lieutenant Steve Cooper. Along with the kill kit found in Falls SUV, they saw a tub that according to Cooper, was large enough to place a woman inside. During his investigation, he received an anonymous tip that Falls may have killed sex workers in the Las Vegas area. Quote, We found out Mr. Falls was stopped in Illinois. Unquote. Meaning he was pulled over by police for a traffic violation in the area that was later known to be where the remains of Lindsay Harris were discovered. Cooper shared the information as well as samples of Falls' DNA with Vegas' Metro Police.
Both Metro and Henderson Police said that since the investigations are still open, they couldn't divulge whether his DNA is being used or if he is even linked to the murders. However, former co-workers of Falls at the Hoover Dam came forward to the media to shed some light on the man. They said that so far, police haven't questioned them about anything. Daryl Kelly worked with Falls for five years at the dam and relayed that during that time, Falls routinely got in trouble for lighting animals on fire at work. He also said Falls would come to work extremely early and would park his car along deserted roads. He said, quote, It's an open area. If you park there, you can do a lot of things. And you'd ask him, you'd be like, Neil, you don't have to be here for two hours. What are you doing? And he would come off with this laugh. I wish I could demonstrate, but it was a creepy laugh. Unquote. Kelly went on to say that Fall's general conversations would be comprised of three things. Sex workers, driving, and weapons. Quote, You'd be like, Neil, what'd you do this weekend? And he'd go, Picked up a hooker and drove up and down the highway. And the weird thing is, he'd always have $10,000 in cash in his car in a paper sack. And you'd ask him, What's that for? And he'd say, it's in case I gotta go somewhere. Unquote. In the end, Neil seemed like a desperate man. Desperate to appease his inner demons. So desperate that he would use any means necessary to accomplish his sadistic goals. Neil operated on the opposite end of the spectrum as the rest of us. When we dream at night, we have visions of happiness depicting all the elements we need to accomplish a goal and you mentally plan out how you're going to accomplish all the tasks in between to reach it. See, Neil was probably thinking the same way, having the same dreams. Circumstances within this kind of mind might operate on a completely different wavelength than our own. He might have well been acting out every fantasy he had ever dreamed up, turning his fantasy into a reality, all the while leaving countless bodies in his wake and satisfying no one but himself. His demands to his last surviving victim, Heather Saul, says it all. He was expecting to get caught eventually. After the first kill, serial killers are more careful to consider the risks of what they did. Keeping and maintaining that high from the first kill takes a lot of patience and planning. And yet, as they build their body count, they get more confident and also sloppy, leading them to slip up and make tiny mistakes, usually leading to their arrest. Just like using a drug, they also build up a tolerance, leaving them unsatisfied with their usual MO making them thirst for more blood, all the while thinking of new fantasies and turning them into reality. Armed with these new ideas, their confidence level rises, making them think they couldn't possibly make any mistakes. Neil probably realized 
after this trek through North America that he was getting sloppier and probably tired as well. So giving Saul the demand that it was her choice whether it was rape or murder right up front, he was getting extremely confident and he was going to accomplish his goals whether it meant jail time or not. At this point, he's not taking no for an answer and he will get what he wants no matter the consequences. Just like a rebellious teen with detention on the horizon, breaking the rules seemed like no big deal to him in the end. The way he was acting with Saul sure made it seem as though he had done this countless times before. Just the fact that letting her know he would be in prison for a very long time makes investigators eager to uncover his past and retrace his footsteps to find out exactly what he's been up to during his criminal career. And that's gonna do it for our first episode. I know this was a short one, but the future holds some more interesting cases to look into. I hope this wasn't too cringe-worthy to listen to. I'll definitely work on keeping a uniform structure to the podcast, as well as an invariable schedule, so as to not confuse anyone. I do want to thank you for tuning in. Please don't forget to subscribe, and if you can take a minute, please rate and review on iTunes. If you have any suggestions on cases or suggestions in general, send us an email at deadlydecisionspodcast at gmail.com. Our Instagram is deadlydecisionspodcast, as well as for Facebook. If you want to look for our podcast page and the podcast group, just request to join and I'll add you. So thanks again, and remember, you're always one decision away from a totally different life.